Introduction Part 4 of Commentary on the Gospel of John Book 9 by Cyril of Alexandria Translated by Reverend Thomas Randall This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 28. Jesus saith unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. It may seem perhaps to some that this present verse is somewhat out of harmony, and not in a very close connection with what has been just previously said. For what can be the reason, some one may ask, and not inappropriately, that, while reproving the would-be traitor, and in a secret and somewhat obscure fashion seeking to divert him from his murderous design against himself, the Lord now seems to be spurring him on to carry it into action, and urges him to proceed without delay to such an accursed and impious deed. And verily, he would say, what need was there to urge on, more than he himself was inclined, one who was possessed by a disease that sprang out of his own heart, to commit a crime that had been started by his own device? Instead of rather curbing his passion by admonitions to amendment, and hindering him from carrying out his intended plans. One might readily say that the objection here alleged was wanting in proper cogency. Still, by fastening our attention more keenly on the sense involved in the passage, we shall find that nothing is spoken unfittingly, but that on the contrary there is latent in the words a very pertinent signification, which I will endeavor briefly to set forth as far as I am able. It was therefore not without careful foresight that the wise evangelist told us in the preceding verses that Satan himself had forced his way and entered into the heart of the traitor, to the end that our Lord Jesus the Christ may now appear to be really and truly addressing Satan himself, rather than the disciple, who by heedless infatuation had fallen into his power, when he said, That thou doest, do quickly. It is as though he were saying plainly, that work of thine, O Satan, whereof thou alone knowest, which is ever dear to thee, see that thou do quickly. Thou killedst the prophets, thou wast ever leading on the Jews to impiety. In former days thou didst procure the death by stoning of those who were sent as ambassadors bearing the word of salvation to Israel. Thou sparedest not one of those who were sent forth from God, Towards them thou didst show forth thy incredible brutality and the excesses of thy madness. And now I am come following in their steps. To those who are still wandering in error, I bring the power to avoid wandering so again forever. To those that are in darkness, I ensure a life within the light of God. And to those who have fallen into thy net and become a prey to thy cruelty, I bring the power of escape from all thy snares. I am come to break up the sovereignty of the sin that thou hast caused to reign, and to make manifest to every man who is in his nature the true God. But full well I know thy implacable temper. Whatsoever harm, therefore, thou art wont to attempt against all who wish to accomplish such works as I have come to do, that do thou even now practice against me. 
for thou wilt cause me no more grief by being swift to attack and very urgent in thy assault however great will be the pang piercing through me at first verily i for my part imagine that these words of the saviour imply by somewhat obscure intimations the substance of what i have just said but pray let us now proceed further to investigate the reason for his urging that the daring deed should be hastened terrible indeed beyond all description is the rash cruelty of the godless sinners who had deliberately planned in their ungovernable madness the outrageous crime before him there lay as he knew insults and blasphemies intolerable stripes and spitting and the final misery of the death on the tree nails and cross vinegar and gall and the spear wounds why then one may ask does he hasten it on and desire that the devil's designs concerning his passion should be brought to a speedy accomplishment for the jews were indeed instruments and accomplices in the crime but it is to the devil that we will attribute the original authorship of the wicked deeds as well as the supreme direction of the whole matter on to its most accursed conclusion still however terrible may have been the daring insults offered to christ by the unholy jews and however intolerable the overweening impiety of those who crucified him he knew most fully the ultimate purpose of all he had to suffer and foresaw everything that would follow therefrom for by the effect of his precious cross the sovereignty of the devil was doomed to fall to eternal ruin death was to be deprived of its sting and the sway of corruption to be destroyed the human race was to be freed from that ancient curse and to be enabled through the gracious love of our saviour christ to hope for the annulling of the sentence earth thou art and to earth shalt thou return all iniquity in the words of the prophet was to stop her mouth and those in all the world that know not him who is alone in his nature god were to be utterly brought to naught and no longer to condemn those that had been in her power but were justified by faith in christ and for the time to come the gate of paradise was to be expected to be opened the world below was to be united with the world above and the heavens to be opened according to the saying of christ and the bands of the holy angels were to ascend and descend upon the son of man tell me therefore seeing that such wondrous blessings were now in store for men and that so brilliant an expectation was raised into existence for us by the agency of the salutary cross was it not a matter of course that he who thirsted for our salvation and for this cause was made like unto us except in sin should be eager to see actually present the time for which he longed thus earnestly and was it not natural for one who knew no evil to despise the handiwork of devilish ingenuity and to hasten rather to pass onward to the ardently desired period of such a joyous consummation to satan then who knew not that he was fighting against his own existence 
and was utterly unconscious of going headlong to ruin in bringing to its accomplishment christ's death upon the cross the saviour addressed the words that thou doest do quickly for this is the language of one threatening rather than of one exhorting it is as though some handsome youth in early manhood his heart swelling with fresh vigour at the sight of an opponent running at full speed to attack him were to equip his right arm with a keen battle-axe and in full knowledge that his enemy will no sooner reach him than die were then perchance to exclaim that thou doest do quickly for thou wilt feel the force of my right arm and surely this would not be the speech of one who is desirous to die but rather of one who knows certainly that he will be victorious and will prevail over him who wishes to harm him in this spirit our lord jesus the christ urges satan to speed more quickly on his course of daring assault upon him for the time has come when he will exhibit the offender fallen into feebleness and universal contempt and will present to our view the world liberated from the tyrant who in arrogance held it of old and prevailed against it by cunning deceit so far as even to turn it away from faith in god the disciples however understand not the force of the saying and this it seems in accordance with the divine dispensation as christ did not unfold its meaning to them since in other places indeed we find him teaching them that he would be delivered into the hands of sinners and that he would be crucified and put to death and would rise again on the third day but ever charging them by no means to tell this to any man for his aim was to prevent the prince of this world from knowing who in very nature he was to the end that he might actually be crucified and by his crucifixion might destroy death and effectually accomplish salvation for them that believe on him therefore in accordance with his divine purpose he conceals the deepest meaning of his words for as god he ever knows what is best for man twenty nine but some thought because judas had the bag that jesus said unto him buy what things we have need of for the feast or that he should give something to the poor the disciples failing to understand the force of christ's words readily resort to their ideas of what was usual and suppose that christ is once more indicating such commands as it was his wont to give for as the feast was near at hand they expected he was ordering the one who had the bag to buy something of what was necessary for it or at least was very probably bidding him discharge that duty of which christ was ever careful namely to give to the needy what he could according to the resources at his disposal for the lord is gracious and merciful as it is written and for us also the example of this occurrence will be found to be most excellent for i think that those who wish to celebrate a feast in purity of heart and in a manner well pleasing to god must not regard their own enjoyment alone nor must they even take thought as to how they themselves alone may keep the feast in all its fullest gladness but rather they must interweave with their thoughtfulness about themselves 
the spirit of mercy towards others who are in need for then and then only fulfilling the divine law of mutual love shall we in perfection celebrate a truly spiritual feast to the honour of the saviour christ therefore also the law ordained of old for the jews concerning the ingathering of the manna charges those who are able to gather it not to do so for themselves alone for it says gather ye every man for your companions that are in the tents for if any one of their tent-mates was troubled with sickness those who were free from that affliction lending him as it were their own vigour gathered in with their own measure what was enough for the weak as well so that in the words of scripture he that gathered much had nothing over and he that gathered little had no lack for so it happened by a sort of mingling of their stores that the principle of equality was preserved for all he therefore does dishonour to the example suitable for holy feast who does not combine care for the needy with anxiety on his own account for the union of these would in very truth make a festival perfect thirty and he having received the sop straightway went out and it was night in haste he hurries away in obedience to the will of satan and like one stung and goaded on to madness he rushes from the house he sees nothing that can overcome his love of gain and marvellous though it is we shall find him in no way benefited by the gift from christ of course because of his irrepressible inclination for getting money for completely overpowered by his passion and possessed heart and soul by the father of all iniquity the wretched man henceforward cannot even discern whither he is rushing on so with his soul sunk in a night of its own and darkened by a gloom-bringing swarm of unholy thoughts he falls headlong into the abyss of hades as into a trap and according to the saying in proverbs he flees away as a stag smitten to the liver with a dart or like a dog into chains and knoweth not that he runneth with peril of his life and it seems to me that the inspired evangelist did not without a purpose say that having received the sob he straightway went out for satan is terribly wont to urge on those whom he has once captured and who have once for all fallen into his power to straightway accomplish their evil works and throwing aside all delay to compel them even against their will to carry out his pleasure he fears perhaps with his usual bitterness of spirit and continual maliciousness lest perchance in the interval of postponement some change of mind should overtake the man inducing him to repent and to form a good resolution and causing him to lay aside his pleasure in sin as a drunkard might leave off drunkenness and so drag out of his net a victim whom he had deemed already caught in its toils for this reason i suppose the offender harasses ever those who have fallen into his power urging them to make great haste and speed in doing whatever is pleasing to him for instance he compels judas straightway after receiving the sub is holding him now in his power at once to proceed to that unholy deed 
being very probably afraid as well of his repentance as of the effective power of christ's gift lest this shining as a light in the heart of the man should persuade him rather to make a deliberate choice of well-doing or at any rate should give birth to the genuine honest temper of one who had been at length persuaded against his better feelings even to attempt the betrayal for that this is ever the want of the demon in working against us we shall also see to be the case from what happened by way of type the jews were in subjection to pharaoh while still in egypt and being by his orders sore vexed with laborious tasks in working with clay and making bricks were allowed no time for the services they owed to god for instance pharaoh says to the overseers of their tasks let the tasks of these men be made heavier and let them not regard vain words meaning by vain words their eagerness to escape to a state of freedom their ardent passionate longing for this object their lamentations over their slavery and prayer for the greatest blessings for he was not ignorant that in the leisure time which would be spent on these they would find great comfort passing then from the types to the perfect knowledge of the truer meanings we shall find satan ever hurrying onward to perform their wickedness those who have once fallen within his snares and urging on those over whom he has already won a complete victory to be the ministers of such evil deeds as please him thirty one thirty two when therefore he was gone out jesus saith now is the son of man glorified and god is glorified in him and god shall glorify him in himself and straightway shall he glorify him the traitor departs to minister to the stratagems of the devil and now christ begins his discourse teaching us thereby as any figure that the things which are fitted only for true disciples are not to be uttered in the hearing of all men for it is not meet to give that which is holy unto the dogs as christ himself says nor even to allow pearls to be insulted by the feet of swine the very same lesson that he had thus given them before in the form of a parable he now endeavours to teach them at a time requiring its practice and calling for a more distinct explanation of it so then after the departure of the traitor and his hasty withdrawal from the house christ now as at the fitting moment unfolds the mysteries to his true disciples saying now is the son of man glorified and by this he is pointing to his sufferings as saviour as being already at the doors and after but a brief while to come upon him he says however that the son of man is glorified meaning none other than himself not implying a separation in himself as some have thought for the christ is one only son both before and after his incarnation as well after he became man like unto us as before he had become man but we must now inquire what manner of glorification that is to which he now specially alludes for some perhaps may say was he not surely glorified before this by the mighty wonders which he wrought 
surely when with a single word he rebuked the angry rage of the sea and checked the violence of the fierce winds then he was worshipped by those that were in the boat and heard them say of a truth thou art the son of god again when he had bidden lazarus at bethany return once more to life the marvellous deed was noised abroad even so much that as he went up to jerusalem at the time of the feast all the people together with their babes came forth to meet him and joined in the strain of wondrous praise addressed to him saying blessed is he that cometh in the name of the lord nay more there was a time when he brake five loaves and two small fishes and satisfied therewith the hunger of the multitude who had come together unto him amounting to five thousand men besides babes and women and to some the wonder then wrought seemed so magnificent that astonished at the greatness of the achievement they sought even to proclaim him king for this the evangelist himself has testified to us and there would be no difficulty in extending our argument at length by enumerating many other deeds wherein christ's glory was manifested no less highly than in those we have just mentioned how then after all does it happen that he who had been glorified long before speaks of himself as glorified at this particular time truly he had been glorified in other ways and had won for himself most distinctly a reputation for possessing divine authority still the perfect consummation of his glory and the fullness of his fame were summed up in the facts of his suffering for the life of the world and opening by his own resurrection the gate through which all may rise for if we examine as well as we may the real character of the mystery of his work we shall see that he died not merely for himself nor even especially for his own sake but that it was on behalf of humanity that he suffered and carried out both the suffering in itself and the resurrection that followed for in that he died according to the flesh he offered up his own life as an equivalent for the life of all and by rendering perfect satisfaction for all he fulfilled in himself to the uttermost the force of that ancient curse and in that he has risen again from the dead to a life imperishable and unceasing in himself he raises the whole of nature for having died once for all thenceforward as it is written he dieth no more death no more hath dominion over him for the death that he died he died unto sin once but the life that he liveth he liveth unto god this also will for christ's sake be true even in our own case for we shall rise no more subject to death but endowed with endless life even though there will be hereafter a great diversity of lot among those that rise i mean as regards their glory and the recompense which each shall receive is due to his works christ therefore after becoming obedient to god the father even unto death yea the death of the cross according to the saying of paul was once again highly exalted receiving the name which is above every name 
for he who was believed to be a mere man was glorified very much beyond that by being acknowledged as in very truth really god and the son of god not being promoted to a new dignity in possessing the divine nature but rather returning with his flesh to the full enjoyment of that very glory which was equally his before he took flesh for this reason then we shall reckon that he was now glorified although there was never a time when he was not lord of glory for in christ we do not find one of his god-befitting attributes appearing as a new thing but all appear as having naturally belonged to him as god even before the time when he is said to have emptied himself but still when the form of a servant had been assumed forasmuch as he raised himself to those conditions again even after he became man he is conceived of as being glorified and is said to have received the exalted name with christ therefore in his glorification god the father also is greatly glorified and he is glorified in the son not as receiving from his offspring any addition of glory for of no such addition does the divine and ineffable nature stand ever in need but because it is made known of what a son he is the father for even as it is a pride and a glory to the son to have such a being for his father likewise also methinks it is a pride and a glory even to the father to have borne from himself so glorious a son therefore christ says this and god is glorified in him and god shall glorify him in himself and straightway shall he glorify him for at the same time the father is glorified on account of the son and straightway glorifies the son in return for to both for the sake of both the ascription of glory extends but in order that we may bring down the application of the passage to our own level and so make it a source of edification to our hearers we will add this to what has been said if in ourselves we glorify god we may expect that we shall be glorified by him for as i live saith the lord them that honour me i will honour and they shall not be lightly esteemed and god is glorified by us and in us when casting away the defilement of sin we adorn our lives in all the beauty of good works for thus it is that we live to his glory end of introduction part four